Sporting dog adventures run. That boy, run. was awesome. Everything you Good need boy. is here. here under the sun. Everything you need is here under the sun. The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Saki Acres Retrievers. Whether you're looking for a black, yellow, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppy, please check out our website for more information at www.sakiacres.com. You can also email Jeff at sportingdogtv at gmail.com or call 262-215-9683. And remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. It's Jeff Fuller from the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, and I need a little help. Please stop what you're doing and give us a five-star rating. Follow us on the platform you're on. Give us a thumbs up. And above all, share our podcast with your friends and family. Our podcast will grow even more, and we can get more people involved in the sport we love with dogs in the field. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fuller, and today's topic for our show is having a litter of puppies. Now, this is something really common. We sell a lot of puppies and people will commonly say like, I think I wanna have a litter. We wanna experience it. We want our kids to experience it. I never dissuade people from this. I always try to help people when they wanna get into the dog world, even if it's dipping a toe in or jumping straight in. But there's a lot of things you need to understand prior to getting into dog breeding. and one of the misconceptions that people have is when they see people in the dog world they see the litter of eight or ten puppies and they don't realize one the work that goes into it two the facility that you need to make it healthy for your family and for the dogs and three the heartbreak and issues you can have so i figured we would kind of go through things and explain what you should do and should look at look at and this is something that is also good for you the buyer if you're looking at buying a puppy because you can use this to i guess gauge who you want to do business with so let's get into having a litter of puppies first thing people get too involved in is they'll have two dogs it's convenient it's cheap and they'll say you know what i'm going to breed my dog to another dog and then we have like in the other show both parents on site Again, think of it as marketing. You want to make sure that you have two good dogs. You want the male to have titles. You want them both to have their health clearances. If you don't do this, what you end up doing is you're putting yourself in a position where a good buyer is not going to buy from you. I recently was talking to someone who knew of a person that had a litter that was uh, half sold and they were getting kind of desperate to sell it and the male doesn't even have eye clearances or failed his eye clearance. That is stuff that you need to look at and you need to realize that's not a meal you should use just because of convenience or color. You wanna make sure that you're picking a dog that has its health clearances and in labs, that is their their, their hips, their eyes, exercise induced collapse and canine neuromyopathy clear on their tests. And you wanna make sure that it is a dog with a great pedigree so that when you look at it, you can sell someone on the fact of look at the ability and these pedigrees, look at how great your dog can be. From there, you want to talk to your vet. Obviously, you're going to do the right thing into your health clearances, but talk to your vet so you understand what you need to do for breeding, 
when you have the female, if you have the male as well, and the different things that you need to do for the dog during pregnancy, as well as what you need to do for the puppies once they're born and as they get older. This is really important because the last thing you want to do is have a litter of puppies dropped in your house, not know where to put them, not know what to do, and then realize you're in over your head when you've got these living creatures that are helpless and need you. So find a good vet. I know a lot of people will go online, they'll look things up. I get that. There is a lot of information online. You're watching a podcast. There's a lot of information you can glean from a podcast, but you want to make sure that you have a good vet so that when something comes up, you can do what's right for the female or puppies and or both, and that you have something in place so that they are aware of the fact that you're going to need help possibly. Now, the second thing you have to have yourself set for is the heartbreak of it. Having dogs is really tough. You have females that are struggling during a pregnancy. It's your female. She's your buddy. She's your pet. You have to worry about dealing with that stuff and making sure she's healthy, making sure that you are up to having to be there with her so that she gets through the pregnancy. You want to make sure that things are set up so it's clean, so that you can have it where you're keeping stuff cleaned up. A lot of people will put down wood chips and wood chips will smell good, but wood chips hold bacteria and so many other things. It's not healthy. You want to make sure you have an area that you can bleach, that you can, if you want, put pine salt down for some, for, or some type of a deodorant down for the smell. And also where you've got a shop back where when you spray your solution down, you've got water there. If you can't spray it off into something, you can suck it up. This is what is the minimum that you need to do for the dogs and for the puppies. The other thing you have to realize is that it is mother nature. Mother nature is a bitch. Pardon the language. Sorry about that, mother nature. But you are going to have health issues with puppies. You are going to have occasionally, if you do it long enough, puppies that pass away. You need to be ready for that. You need to have yourself in a position that when you find sick puppies, again, you have that vet so they can help you and you can work on getting that puppy healthy. But also prepare yourself for the fact that not every puppy in a litter will live at times. Now, as you get more into uh, dog breeding, you will get better at it, but you still, some puppies just can't be saved because nature is cruel. Nature is very cruel. And that's stuff that you got to look at as well. It's not something that's commonly talked about in the dog industry because honestly, when you talk about these things, someone will just use it against you so that uh, they can try to sell their own dog so people don't talk about it at all. But you have to make sure that you're prepared for not only sick puppies, puppies that need help with nursing or tube feeding, but puppies that pass. So that is the stuff that is really difficult. It doesn't get any easier um, losing pups, especially if you commit three, four nights of no sleep because you're up every two hours making sure that they're getting nourishment to try to bring them back out of that uh, funk that they're in. You want to have that in place. Then you have to look at making sure your puppies are going through wellness checks with a vet. They're going through their treatment protocols for parasites. They're going through their shot protocol and then you get them cleared prior to sending them to their new homes. This stuff is so important and you want to make sure of it. And then after 
once you wean the puppies, you can have females get mastitis. We just had a female that it literally looked like someone cut her wide open with a knife because she got mastitis and the infection blew. So yes, part of her, her, her boob blew open and it is something that is shocking to look at. You have to know what to do, have that vet, make sure that it's there, but also realize this is your pet. You're gonna feel bad. You're gonna have these emotions that you may maybe don't wanna go through. So put all of this stuff into your brain and then make your decision if you want to have a dog or not. Lastly, especially now, we're through COVID and the ability to sell dogs is going to be much harder. When I started out selling dogs, I would put up the pinup pictures with the little uh, uh, tear off phone numbers. I put them up at every place that would take them. I did sports shows. I got my name out there, but it was difficult the first few years while I was doing that. So you have to have a plan for selling them. You have to have a plan for what if you don't sell them? What are you going to do with a four month old puppy or five four month old puppies? Have that in mind when you're looking at having a litter so that you do have a plan, so that you do have it, so that you can get them out there in the world. You wanna make sure you also have a health guarantee. Stand behind your dogs. If you're getting your hips checked, your eyes checked, you're getting all the, the uh, different things for that breed checked, make sure that you have a health guarantee that is standing behind what a breeder normally would because that's only, that's only what is fair. You want to make sure that you're taking care of your families that are buying your puppies, that you are ensuring that they're healthy and that if there's a problem, that you're there for them then too. So these are just some things that you need to look at when you are looking at having a litter. And I hope this helped you because honestly, I'm a huge proponent of getting good people into the dog world. But at the same time, I try to be as honest as I can so that people understand that there is more to it than just putting dog A with dog B and having puppies and selling them. There needs to be thought, there needs to be compassion, and there needs to be a good plan in place if you're going to have a good litter and have happy customers. So I hope that helps with this part of the show. The next part of the show, let me look here. We are going to do bird introduction in our training tip. We're gonna have all that more, as well as the importance of a dog blind and working with your dog in it out in the area that you're gonna hunt coming up after this. Welcome to Boucher and Janesville, where customer service is our number one priority. Our customers come back to us because of the experience that we provide for them. We're here to make sure that we find you the right car, one that fits your budget, and do so in a timely manner. When we say we ride with you every mile, it means we care about you and how you are treated. Estamos con personal que habla español en los departamentos de servicio y venta. Our certified technicians are here to help you with all your service needs. Visit us today at Boucher.com. At Boucher, we ride with you every mile. Dog kennels can be beautiful. That's the basis on which we built DCT Kennels. We give you the opportunity to have a beautiful kennel that blends seamlessly with your home decor while providing a safe and comfortable respite for your dog. Visit dctkennels.com to see all of our custom selections and start building your dream custom doggy crate Denza.
Hey, welcome back to the show. This is the training tip portion of the show and want to talk about introduction of birds to your dog. So it's my last group of gun dogs. I am going to train professionally. Um, just got to the point where I admitted I'm old. It's time to move on. It's time to give myself time for more things. So I am not going to be doing dog training after this, but I mean, I'd love to help people and help them get involved. We do have our, oh gosh, it was a 12 part gun dog training series that is on the podcast here. If you go back in the episodes that will go through what I work on week by week. Important is dog introduction to birds. Now, most people will go out and they will get live birds and let the dogs run after them. I don't do that. I start with a frozen bird, then I work with a thawed bird, then I work with live birds. The reason being, if you have a dog work with a frozen bird first, it is completely controlled. That bird is not going to flop around, create the dog level of excitement where they're going to chomp down or try to eat the bird. You can work with them on your trained retrieve or your conditioned retrieve with the bird and then basically get them up to that level of, uh, of excitement with a live bird. So when you work with them with a frozen bird, it's real simple. Get three or four fetch with a bumper so the dog is picking up well and consistently and not having to be corrected. And then you introduce the bird. Start again just like you were doing your trained retrieve or your conditioned retrieve where you're putting the bird in the dog's mouth telling him hold, hold. Walk with them at heel, hold, good dog, hold, good. And then you're going to put the bird on the ground, tell them to fetch. They went through their condition retrieve. They're going to fetch it, <coughs> make them walk around with the bird. What I will do is I'll tell them to fetch, have it pick up, pick, pick it up off the ground. I'll take a couple of steps back, have them uh, tell them to heel, have them come into heel, sit. So they understand that we still finish retrieves, whether it's a bumper or a bird, and then start with your hand thrown frozen bird retrieves and then what I do is I transition to a thawed bird and then a live uh, a fresh killed and then eventually let them chase birds around again I wait until they are through all these steps to do the live bird just because you don't want them to get so excited that they crunch down and try to eat a bird so that you have to correct them you want it to be something that's fun and if you start up controlled and slowly work toward that goal it just makes it easier on the dog and it makes it better for your training program so i hope that helps with bird introduction get them on birds before they go in the field it's it's interesting if you go to hunt tests you'll see a lot of people that will try a hunt test with their dog they use ducks at those tests the dogs will go out they won't pick it up and they'll come back because they only use upland birds make sure you're using both upland and waterfall birds i usually save teal and wood ducks for my training dogs, now I'm not gonna have to this year so I get more to eat. But I would save for our two training groups, I would have about 30 birds total, 15 for each training group. Once you're done with them when they're frozen, you can put them back in, refreeze them. You can take them out, use them. Eventually the bird will start to get a little shoddy looking and at that point, then you can discard the bird. But it works out well because you can have frozen birds for your dog use mesthawed birds, and then transition to where you have birds that you are dispatching and using as fresh killed, and then also having birds that are live birds. So that should help you get your dog ready for the field. I hope that was something that made sense. Please email me, sportingdogtv at gmail.com, if you have something you'd like to hear on your training tips. 
Also, you can email us if you want something on the main topic. Next up, we are going to talk about the importance of a dog blind. All that and more coming up after this. If you love the shooting sports like I do, you need to check out our friends at Mac Outdoors. They have fantastic products, whether you're looking at shot shell or metallic reloading, or you want to get yourself a clay thrower so you can practice up for the season. For more information, check out their website at MacOutdoors.com. The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. We all know that unexpected accidents can happen. That's why I partner with Trepanion's Breeder Support Program to send all my puppy buyers home from Soggy Acres with an offer for Trepanion coverage. Learn more about Trepanion and sign up for their Breeder Support Program by visiting trepanioncom breeder. Be sure to tell them that Sporting Dog Adventure sent you. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're in the hunting tip portion and I want to talk about waterfall hunting and the use of a dog blind. The first time your dog sees a dog blind should not be when you go out hunting. You want to make sure that you're working with them in the yard, in your living room, wherever. Just make sure they are comfortable going into the dog blind that you're going to use so that they can get to the point where when the sun comes up and the shooting starts, they know how to perform. I like to actually take dogs out, work with them out of a blind that are on our blinds. I'll take a bumper, I'll throw the bumper, I'll have them retrieve it, they'll come back. It works out really well. But the last thing you wanna do is have them out in a blind and have never been in one. When you see a dog in a blind, one, they don't wanna go into it because obviously it's dark. There's nothing, I like the ones that are closed on the end. If you have them with the telescoping legs, they can be a little wobbly for the dogs. So they get in it and they're just, they're scared. Get them into these blinds so that they can be in a good spot, so that they can be comfortable, and so that they can get to the point where they, uh, where they aren't going to freak out because that is what's going to ensure that they have fun. Dogs love going out hunting. The number one thing we can do is give them some realistic experience of what they are going to see prior to getting to the field. If you have an older dog that's hunted a lot, it's probably not as important. But for dogs that have little experience, this is something that is a great step. So I hope that helps their hunting tip. It is almost that time of year. I am so excited. So we will have more shows coming up. Please tune in next week to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Thank you for listening and God bless. Adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.